You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, using a bit of a new setup, so let me know how it sounds, how things are going. I feel like I'm not getting as much feedback anymore, and uh, it's one of those things that just helps the podcast thrive. So we have a lot to talk about. I know I talked about getting to the mock. We'll see if we have time to get to it today. There's so much going on with the Indians, for once. So where to begin? Let's start with probably what is the biggest possible thing that could affect the Indians. Shane Bieber has COVID. Um, There's plenty of time for him to get healthy, plenty of time for him to get better. But as we have seen with someone like Miles Garrett this year, it can have long effects. It can be something that wipes you out for months and you never fully recover from. We have seen, um, top of my head, I'm blanking on the pitcher for uh, Boston who developed uh, myocardia. Uh, you know, uh, developed a heart problem from it. So it's it's not always as clean cut as as it could be. It's a situation that we certainly wish for the best, and we hope that this is a minor thing and he is back. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, he has a very, very mild symptoms even. So I don't want to... I'm sure there's people out there who already hate me even talking about it, but I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but I also don't want to just underscore, or not underscore, I also don't want to underplay it, uh, because there are risks. I mean, there's a there's a reason why we've had all the situations we've had this year. So there are risks, and of all the news of the day, I think this one stood out as potentially the largest impact uh, on the Indian season, is Shane Bieber, who you could make a case as, you know, the potentially number one player on the team. Uh, I mean, I'd probably put him two behind Jose Ramirez, if I'm being honest, but still, it's a big deal. Uh, The Indians re-signed Oliver Perez. Now, it's a non-roster invitee to camp. He will likely make this team, though. Let's be honest. There's not many lefties on roster. Uh, I think the only other one really of note is Kyle Nelson, who's on the 40-man. So, yeah, I would bet on him making the team, I think. There's a very good chance he makes the team. He's been really good the past few years. Now, I like him not just because he debuted when I was uh, an underclassman uh, in college, but you just it's go look at his his FIPS over the past few years. Um, not his XFIPS. I'm I'm on the wrong data. Scroll down. I don't like XFIP. Uh, if you're not familiar with FIP versus X, XFIP. I do not like XFIP because XFIP uh, normalizes home run rates for all players. I do not think that that is something you should normalize. I think we have seen there are certain players who are much more prone than others to the long ball. And his XFIP was not great last year uh, because, it, and part of the reason his FIP was so good was it's 18 innings, a very small sample size. You can pretty much just throw out that data. But he didn't give up a single home run last year, and this is a guy who typically is about uh, one home run per nine. Uh, the concern side of things is his strikeout rate really dropped. You know, this is a guy who the past few years, 10.35, 10.64, But, I mean, okay, so going back to 2017, 
uh, I mean, heck, his last bad year was in 2010. Now, he had a rough 2009 and 2010 with the Mets. That's when he was still a starter. You know, he came up as a starter with the Padres, uh, traded to the Pirates. Was he part of the Jason Bay deal, maybe? That's in my mind. He is part of the Jason Bay deal. I don't know if that's the case or not. But he was an electric left-handed starter when he came up. And uh, 2004 in particular, he had a great season, but he could never seem to really build off of that. Uh, 2007 was his only other season with a war above two. He had those two terrible seasons. And then 2010, he has seven starts, and it's still pretty miserable. So <laughs> The Mets time was bad for him, but 2012 with the Mariners, he starts as just a reliever. And since he has moved to the pen... Uh, you go you go and you look at his FIP, and it is his worst FIP during that time. It was a 417. That was with his first year with the Nationals. Guy who was 40 to, you know, 50 innings. Mostly as a loogie, if we're being honest. Uh, a lefty on lefty reliever, but highly effective in that role. Uh, lots of strikeouts, walk rates around 4 with strikeout rates over 10. Uh, bringing him back is, it's a no-brainer at this point in time. And you look at the relief market, He's one of the better relievers out there. I know I did not talk about him on our reliever podcast because I was kind of talking about new names, but uh, Perez is a great addition. He is a solid addition. Of all the relievers they brought into camp, this is the best one. Uh, Heath Embry, I would say, is second, but those guys are the uh, the top for me of, of all the players they have brought to camp. Those are the two that I think have a legitimate chance of making the Indians. I think most of the other guys from what we've seen uh, are more depth or AAA fodder or guys who will opt out after the first month of the season. Uh, Perez, I think, makes the Indians. And if you're wondering about, oh, well, what do they do with the 40-man at that point? Well, now you can start adding players back on the you know uh, 30 and 60-day DL. And because of that, uh, they'll be able to quickly maneuver guys around and change up that situation. So yeah, uh, Perez will make this team. I, I'm going to bet on that if I could do such things. Uh, he was still effective. Like I said, the only concern, you know, is that drop in strikeout rate because he is also a, when does he turn 40? He'll turn 40 in August of this year. So if he makes the Indians, he will pitch into his age 40 season, which is kind of amazing because, again, you go back to those years as a starter. When he was with the Padres and the Pirates, he was a high upside, volatile starter, um, and now he is Mr. Reliable for almost 10 years now as a reliever, uh, 2012 to 2020, so that's what, nine seasons as a reliever. Uh, when he makes the Indians this year, that'll be 10 straight years as a reliever only, not a start in there, and that's after he had uh, 2002 to 2010, is m- almost entirely a starter. Uh only less than 10 games in relief through those first, what, nine seasons? Is that really right? That we've got nine seasons as a starter and nine seasons as a reliever? What a career, just in terms of length. It's it's amazing. We just don't see it a lot, so let's take a second and enjoy Oliver Perez. And I, I as I stated, I think he makes the team, and I will be rooting for him to make the team. I do want to point out over on WKYC right now, who we have that partnership with, uh, they have an article up about uh, the Indians re-signing Oliver Perez, and in that they have a great little, uh, and that article's by Ben Axelrod, but they have a 
eight-minute interview with uh, Terry Francona on all sorts of topics. So go check that out if you're curious about how things are going with the Indians. Want to hear from Tito himself about uh, Indians-related information. Go look at that article over on WKYC about uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, re-sign reliever Oliver Perez. And while I have you here, let's uh, take a quick moment and take a break from our sponsors before we talk about a little bit more Indians news and then dive back into that mock trying to finish it up before uh, I mean, college baseball starts Friday, which is the day this podcast posts. Our first fantastic sponsor is Built Bar. Uh, it is what I had for lunch today. They sent us the coconut brownie, and that is maybe my favorite flavor. Uh, there's just something about it and even the what they've just done in the texture and everything else. Uh, if you like coconut, it is one of the best tasting things I have had that is a coconut product. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off. That is the best deal you will find bar none out there. Uh, I am going to be doing a new order in the next month. Uh, there's so much to order. There's so much to see. They're all great products. You cannot go wrong. I sat there at lunch and had my Built Bar Boost while I ate my built to ate two Built Bar coconut brownie bars, uh, and that was lunch today. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. It's a fantastic product. My little calorie thing gives it an A-plus grade, but I feel like I'm eating, uh, you know, you don't feel bad like when you eat a candy bar. Like when you eat junk food, you know you're eating junk food. You don't get that with Built Bar. It just tastes like you're eating a candy bar, uh, and it's good for you. Like I said, an A-grade on my little uh, calorie counter app. And none of that negative feeling you get when you do eat junk food. Uh, BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Bet Online is our spot is our official sponsor for all things gambling. And if you are someone like I've admitted, this is not my forte. This is not my specialty. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is your best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book. And to get that 50% bonus at betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On. And we have a new show, Locked On Today. It's kind of a, a jewel of the network, I would uh, say, at this point in time. Uh, we're covering everything you need to know about the Indians, but the rest of sports, now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well. With Locked On Today, it's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it has all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. I mean, you can't even get this podcast in under 20 minutes. Uh, so he's got us beat there already. Before we resume the mock that we've been doing over the last few days, uh, let's talk Cody Allen. Cody Allen retired this week, and it's an amazing and kind of an odd career. Let's be honest. He retired the Indians' all-time saves leader. And this is, he was a day three selection uh, by the Cleveland Indians, signed in 2012, originally drafted in 2011. So my personal, I I don't have a personal history of Cody Allen, but my history with Cody Allen was when they drafted him in 2011 out of, I think, High Point. Let me double check that. Uh, You know, I started getting into scouting reports. I I did my digging and 
uh, I instantly thought, wow, this is an interesting guy. I think that, uh, yeah, High Point University. I really hope they sign him. And back then I was working in Indians Baseball Insider and Tony Lastoria had a lot of great inside information, was connected, and it sounded like they were, and then things fell apart. And they took him in the 16th round in 2010. Um, so it doesn't happen. The next year, they get him in the 23rd round, 2011. So he gets selected and signed in that same draft class, the Indians draft, Francisco Lindor. Allen has... Now, I was always high, I you know, because I was very interested in him from the beginning. I thought there was always a chance he could start because he had so many pitches. And then he was, you know, a day three pick. So I got a lot of people telling me that I was a bit nuts because I made him a top 10 prospect pretty early on because he, you know, the Indians draft him in 2011. In 2011, they get him up to double A. He pitches across four different levels as a 1.65 ERA, 12.3 strikeouts per nine, 2.3 walk per nine. Uh, That's, you know, just phenomenal all around. You consider the levels and the movement. Uh, again, that's the same year that he is signed. He pitches 54 innings in the minors. That's, I mean, Nick Sandlin, who was a second round pick, got a, somewhat of a similar treatment, nowhere near his innings. That was a second round pick, not as a 23rd round pick. Uh, he just could not, I mean, he was unhittable in the lower minors. And he would end up making his major league debut in 2012. He would pick up his first, and by the way, in 2012, he had 27 games, 29 innings, and an ERA of 372. And from there, he was just up. I mean, that was it. He would get two saves in 2013, and then by 2014, the closer role is his. And again, you know, we see the Indians trade uh, Frankie Lindor. They would have had one more year of control of him. Uh, who was the first-round pick in the 2011 class. Cody Allen is the 23rd-round pick, and he's retiring already. It's just odd to think about that Lindor is hitting his peak and Allen is retiring because it's the, I mean, the darndest thing, basically. At age 28, he's great. Age 29 is that final year in Cleveland, and he hits a wall, and he's never the same guy. He's just not the same pitcher from that point on. Uh, you don't see a lot of guys who hit the wall in their 20s. And we see relievers pitch forever. We just had a segment in the first half of the show about Oliver Perez. You know, they're bringing back Brian Shaw. Uh, Andrew Miller is still bopping around. Sure, he is not the Andrew Miller he was in his early days with the Indians, but relievers typically last in some form. And Allen went from great to, you know, not able to get out AAA hitters in a, a very quick time it's it's I don't know if there was an injury or exactly what happened I'd be very curious to hear that full story uh, at some point down the line but you go back there were years with Cody Allen where he led all relievers in war and he was the best reliever in baseball at points in time in his career underappreciated I think during his his peaks in Cleveland he was he was excellent he was the all-time greatest closer in Cleveland Indians history. If you're curious about that leaderboard, 149 for Cody Allen leads the way. Bob Wickman's next at 132. Doug Jones at 129. Chris Perez at 124. Jose Mesa at 104. Mike Jackson, 94. Brad Hand at 58. Ray Narleski 
uh, with 53, Joe Borowski with 51, and Steve Olin at 48. I know it's not exactly a murderer's row that he is representing there. And again, it was his time in Cleveland was about six seasons, you would, I would assume, <laughs> uh, relative to that's how much time everyone gets on their initial contract. But during that time, he his first year, first two years, he was not a closer. So he essentially was the closer in Cleveland. So I'm looking here, eight. So seven season in Cleveland because of the way that um, service time breaks down. But he was a closer for five years. And in five years, he set the Indians' saves record. And one of those five years was that year he hit the wall. And he had 27 saves that year. Um, and it's just unfortunate. I, I, I don't have a better word than that to see a guy at 29, as I stated, you know, he he got another chance uh, in 2019 with the Angels. He saved four more games in 23 innings. Uh, they signed him with a chance to be their closer. And his home run rate ballooned. And his you know, his walk rate ballooned. Uh, he could still miss bats, but he was walking guys and getting hit hard. And I mean, he was always a heavy use reliever. He was not just a closer in the traditional sense. Like He had 24 saves in 2014 and appeared in 76 games. 34 saves was 70 games in 2015. He was a high leverage guy. Uh, his 34 saves was the high in the season, but during his entire time with Cleveland in those peak years, he appeared in between 67 to 77 games. So he was used a lot. And when we have seen other players who had some really high peaks and then they kind of came apart in the 20s, uh, the other guy who comes to mind was Vinny Pisano, who the Indians ended up trading to the Angels for Mike Clevenger. And just as a counterpoint, you know that uh, Cody Allen went to the Angels after he left the Indians in free agency. Uh, you do have to wonder about that. I mean, he was used a lot and used heavily. And we talk about those games. I mean, we're not even looking at things like postseason and how many more appearances he made. And, you know, the 2016 season, uh, he was one of those pitchers that paid a heavy price. You know, Andrew Miller and uh, uh, Corey Kluber and Cody Allen paid a heavy, heavy price for those postseason games. I mean, they were the ones who were out there and in almost, I mean, Allen and Miller were in almost every game it felt like. Uh, 2016, I just pulled it up. He was uh, World Series game one, three, five, and seven. ALDS one and three game one two three and five of the ALCS. That's a lot for a reliever to appear in. Uh, let's see, 2013 he was in the wild card game, and then he was four games of the 2017 and two games in 2018. So yeah, this is a a guy who had another 20 innings during his time in Cleveland just as a postseason reliever. But just take a second and appreciate Cody Allen. And then take another second and appreciate how weird it is that the greatest closer in team history was drafted in the same class as Frankie Lindor. One is hitting their prime, one is retiring. Uh, You know, Allen hit the bigs 
almost a year to the day of being drafted. Frankie Lindor was a 17-year-old kid. It took him a bit longer. Obviously, there's an age difference, but I think it's it's very interesting and fun to look at that and think about that because that 2011 class, that was the last draft class without a draft pool. That is the last time, and the Indians went big in that class. They spent a lot. They're one of the top spenders. They were actually starting to be that team that was consistently in the top five and spending in the draft. Unfortunately for the Cleveland Indians, uh, 2012, they put in the uh, um, the pool, not the pool. They put in, yeah, they put in a uh, a pool system and uh, made it so there was a limited spending. Uh, also, let's just take a moment to talk about that uh, 23rd round of the 20, 000, uh, 2011 draft. We have to take a second because taken in that uh, round, though not signed by the Cubs, with pick 699, uh, Cody Allen was pick 698 that year. So one pick after Cody Allen, the Cubs drafted and failed to sign Bradley Zimmer. It's uh, just kind of a fun little piece of trivia, as it were. Uh, future teammates would be taken one pick apart in that draft. Uh, I did not realize that until I was pulling up the the data just in front of me now to kind of look at that draft class. That was just a huge class for the Indians in a lot of ways. Uh, they didn't draft Mike Clevenger, but he was drafted in that draft class by the Angels in the fourth round. Uh, in terms of, you know, Frankie Lindor, and then, you know, on the, the other side of things, the, the worst second-round pick in team history was taken in that draft. Uh, Eric Haas, who would get some time in the big leagues, Cody Anderson, Ryan Merritt, Sean Armstrong, who's still bouncing around, Sean Maramondo, Dylan Peters they didn't sign, but they made a deep run at. Cody Allen, uh, who we talked about. Kevin Kramer they didn't sign, but is another guy who made it to the big leagues. Stephen Tarpley, another guy they failed to sign, made it to the big leagues. Michael Roth, who they failed to sign, and he made it to the big leagues, but eventually did pitch for the Indians. Now, a lot of these players, there was a few years where this class looked like it was going to be even better when... Like I thought Jeff Johnson had a good chance to make it to the big leagues, and we thought, uh, you know, Morimondo and Merritt uh, and Anderson, someone was going to step up. But still, end of the day, the Indians' 2011 draft class, uh, we can talk about sheer number of players that made it to the big leagues is impressive, but beyond that, they got one of the greatest shortstops in franchise history, a likely future Hall of Famer, and the team's all-time greatest closer in that class, which immediately makes the 2011 draft class one of the greatest in team history. Now, I know I promised I'd talk about my own mock, but we'll save that for Monday, do a quick finish up there. We just do not have the time here on today's show. Besides, we already talked about the Indians piece. I think that's what really people tuned in and cared the most about. Uh, I will be posting that at some point Friday, so follow, jump over and look at my Twitter to find the link if that is your thing if you want to see the full mock 2.0 i have been jeff ellis this has been the lockdown indians podcast remember to rate and review download daily tell a friend all of that is very helpful for our little show and as always at least for now go tribe
uh, are interested to, to, to see how you're doing and as we get ready for another year of spring training here and another baseball season just based on everything you know that happened last year how are you doing you know what nick i appreciate you asking somebody asked me last week if i thought i was 100 percent and i told them not since 1981 um all the things from last year have resolved themselves and which is really good uh, I think you're going to see me on crutches for a couple weeks when I get to spring training. Nothing serious, um, and I haven't really mentioned it to anybody, so I'm going to kind of wait and talk to everybody as a group when I get out there, but it's nothing nothing that won't keep me from managing the team, and, and it's not earth-shattering, so I'll be okay. What's been your assessment of this offseason so far? It's been busy for you guys. Um, you know, you think about some of the moves you've made, some of the trades you've made, some of the guys you've brought in. Just from your point of view, uh, what Chris and his guys have been able to do in that front office, and I know you're a part of that, um, just what have you made of everything? Well, and it's not just busy when you see transactions. I think a lot of times, you know, the busyness actually comes beforehand, and all the work that I know the guys put in, to get deals done and, and you know it, it, it can get pretty hectic um you know i think I, I give chris and Cherney a ton of credit boy they they were honest and upfront and transparent early on we knew that this was going to be a challenging off season and you know what every off season has its challenges this one was a little bit different and we're trying to remain competitive in a landscape that is like i said it's kind of challenging um, that, it's going to be fun to see if we can do it. Um, we're all excited. That's that's the one thing, and I know I've said this before, we'll never make an excuse for losing. And regardless of if we're a little more inexperienced or, or whatever the circumstances are, our goal is to win. I try to say this nicely to, to some Tribe fans that might just be joining us. I mean, none of this to you, though, was a surprise. I mean, you think about a guy like Francisco Lindor. I mean, you know, going into this offseason, you knew, you had an idea that this was going to be a different-looking club going into 2021, right? I think we all did. Um, you know, it doesn't make it any easier. I mean, shoot, I've been with, with Frankie and Carlos Carrasco for the last eight years. You've become extremely fond of people. Um, that said, knowing what the kind of salary he was going to command, could we put together a team that we thought could win? That was the biggest question we had, and I think the, ultimately we came up with the answer was no, so you make the best deal you can. You, you made some moves. You, you bring back Cesar Hernandez. Eddie Rosario is going to be a part of your club now. Um, those, to me, Tito, don't speak like rebuilding type of moves. I mean, people ask me, Nick, is this going to be a rebuild? I'll throw it to you, Tito, but that doesn't feel like this is a team that's, that's preparing to kind of go through some changes and rebuild things, right? Well, I think going through changes is different, I think, than, than rebuilding. I'm glad you brought that up. Thrilled that Cesar's coming back. He's quietly just such a solid teammate and, you know, can lead off or hit wherever you want him to. He catches everything in second. Just a really solid teammate. We're really excited to get Eddie Rosario in here and throw him in the middle of the order somewhere and turn him loose. So that's exciting. There are some young guys that we want to see, you know, can they do it? Because if the answer is yes – that makes us a really much better organization moving forward. And I'll give you a few names, whether it's Bobby Bradley or Jake Bowers or, or uh, Yu Chang or, or Bradley Zimmer or Oscar Mercado. There's reasons to think that they can all do it. It's just for, for a lot of different reasons, 
it hasn't got done on a consistent basis yet. And, you know, you're starting pitching. I mean, you can still make the argument. It doesn't even have to be a, a big argument that you guys have the best starting five, uh, top to bottom, in this division. Is that something that you can kind of not take for granted, but hold your hat on to, hey, you know, we've still got a really darn good rotation here? You better believe it. And you can say it any way you want, and you kind of did. But when you're running a pitcher out there that you think gives you a chance to win every night, okay, if you're if you're scoring runs, we know you got to score runs, but if you're not scoring them in bunches, the runs you do score are meaningful. And it, it means that you're in every game. And that's a, that's a heck of a lot easier way to be successful than when you've got to win 9-8 every night. I normally ask you this question at TriFest, so I'll ask it now here in, in February. Do you got the itch again? Does it feel like, hey, we're, we're ready to go? Spring training's right around the corner? Well, it, it better we better be because it is right around the corner. Um, I think I think being totally honest and candid, you know, we I think everybody, myself included, was hoping when 21 came around, we'd have more of a sense of normalcy. It, it hasn't happened yet. So, again, we can either choose to whine about it or – Use it as a challenge. Take it as a challenge, and see how how well we can handle it as a team. I'm pretty confident that we're going to do that, the, the latter one, and figure out a way to be successful. Is it as much fun as in the past? No, it, it's not. It's really not. But there's not really much of a choice in the matter. You still feel like I remember you said at the beginning of last year, the teams that kind of buy in, the teams that can 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 acclimate to, to how things are right now. Um, and really make some sacrifices, they'll kind of have the most success. Is that kind of how you feel still going into 2021? Yeah, I, I still do. You, you give yourself a much better chance to be successful. You know, I thought last year, our guys, you know, we had one case before we showed up and then none after. And I think that really helped us during our season. Yeah, we got knocked out quicker than we wanted to, but, but we still, we had a pretty good season. Um, if you give yourself enough chances, and we, we witnessed that in 16, some pretty cool things can happen. So that's the idea. Now we're going to have a much longer year this year, and, and there's going to be other challenges that come with that. So and we've already talked to our guys about being, about being uh, willing to make adjustments and, and you know, because there's gonna, it's going to have to happen over the course of 162 games with the, with the COVID and everything else. So we, we need to be prepared to do that. Like you said, what is normal anymore, right, Tito? But when, when you look at this upcoming season, do we get the feeling that it'll feel a little bit more like the baseball we're used to, or are we still unsure about that? Well, you know, I, I think I think spring training is going to be certainly different than we've ever had in the past, um, you know, because we're, we're going to be under some pretty strict COVID regulations. I'm hopeful that as the season gets into, you know, progresses into May and June, with vaccinations and then allowing some people to come back to the ballpark, that it'll be a lot more like it used to be. Even if it's not fully, it'll still have people in the ballpark and you can take your mask off and that'll be a lot more fun for everybody. And last thing for you, this Central Division. I, I know, Tito, you, you've talked about it before. Sometimes everyone's talking about the, the AL East, but I mean, this division, when you look at, at teams like, like you and, and, and you've got the Twins in there and the White Sox, I mean, Top to bottom, this is still a strong division. Just what, what's your feelings on it? I, I agree with you. I think it's getting tougher each year. And, and you know, some of the teams had to go through a kind of a full rebuild, but they're starting to come out of that now, and that makes it harder for us. But that's okay. I mean, you've heard me over the last eight years. Whoever we're playing, 
that team is directly in our sights. And when they're not, we, we don't, we don't worry too much about it. But when we play them, that's the team we put our, we put all of our energy into. And you're right. Our division is going to be better. That's okay. Cause we have to be better too. You know, listen, really appreciate the time. Good luck in spring training and uh, with this upcoming season. Thanks, Nick. I hope soon we're not doing a Zoom and we can actually do this in person. You got it. See you, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for the time.